0: I'd like to ask you to rise for the gospel reading from Mark, chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Glory to God. Amen. Be seated. I've shared this story once before, just shortly after arriving in Washington. When I was seven years old, and in the second grade in Orlando, uh, every day while walking home, I passed through the yard of my neighbor, Mrs. Pastori. Mrs. Pastore had all kinds of fruit trees uh, in her yard, orange trees, of course, uh, in Florida, grapefruit, lemon, papaya, and this beautiful, sprawling peach tree. And one day, while I was walking home, as I passed beneath Mrs. Pastori's peach tree, I looked up, And there is this ripe, rosy red peach hanging just in front of my eyes, dangling there in all of its irresistible sweetness. And without even thinking about it, I reached out and I plucked that peach from the tree. And I held it in my hand. I didn't eat it. I just gazed at it. It was so beautiful. And I have to admit, I I felt a twinge of something, you know, Maybe I ought not to have done that, I thought, fleetingly. But I slipped the peach inside my I Dream of Jeannie lunchbox and continued on to my house. I went to my room and I was starting to feel a little uneasy, uh, guilty even. The peach didn't look quite so appealing now and I wound up hiding the thing under my bed so that no one would see. It stayed there for a week. And the longer it was there, the worse I felt, until finally I called my mother into my room one afternoon after school and tearfully confessed. And my mother was wise enough to discern that in that moment I was experiencing something important inside. And to her eternal credit, she didn't downplay it. She didn't say, oh, honey, it's just a peach. She said, Julie... I'm so glad you told me about this, and I think there's someone else you need to tell. And I said, with hope in my voice, You mean God? And she said, Well, of course, God. And I think there's someone God would like for you to tell. And so this time, with dread in my voice, I said, Mrs. Pastori. She said yes. So off we went together down the street to Ms. Pastore's house. Her tiny driveway seemed half a mile long to me, longest walk of my life to that point. And mom stayed behind at the curb, made me go to the door on my own. I rang the bell. Ms. Pastore came to the door and at the very sight of her, I burst into tears. I stole your peach," I cried holding the squishy thing out to her. And to her credit, she took it seriously. And she said, "I I'm Julie, you're right. You should have told me about this or you should have asked me about this first before picking it. But but you know what, Julie, now that you have told me, I want you to know that I forgive you." And she said, I'm gonna go get a sack, and I want you and your mom to go out and pick as many peaches as you want from our back tree, and any of the trees in my backyard. Well, standing at Ms. Pastore's door that day, I experienced two powerful and distinct feelings of relief. One was the relief of forgiveness. I forgive you, Julie. That felt really important. But just as powerful for me was the sheer relief of confessing what I had done. Miss Pastore, I stole your peach. It was that coming clean moment. You know, the moment when I knew inside that even if she didn't forgive me, even if she sent me to jail, it would be all right somehow because I had told the truth about myself and God could take it from there. All I knew in that moment was that I could breathe again, and it felt mighty good. Well, we're entering the wilderness tonight. We're making our pilgrimage together toward Easter. And while it's hard for anyone, I think, to imagine wishing for the wilderness, for the desert experience, because it can be so painful and lonely and challenging, God's Spirit does lead you and me into the desert, into the wilderness, to show us our heart. And, as Scripture points out to us tonight, to help us tell the truth about ourselves by way of confession and repentance. Repent, cries Jesus, to the people in the desert. Repent. I know it's hard to imagine him ever saying that word with a smile on his face. The word repentance just feels dark and negative, judgmental to us. And in fact, the the word in English um, actually alludes to pain. Um, Our English word repent comes from a Latin word, pena, from which we get the word pain, penalty, penalize, punishment. And yet surprisingly, the biblical words for repentance are not negative or judgmental words at all. The biblical words for repentance are amazingly beautiful. There is, for instance, the Hebrew word shuv, which means turn, turn around, as if we're walking toward the edge of a cliff and someone who cares about us shouts, turn, turn that way. And the Hebrew word nacham, which means comfort of all things. Uh, to console, to ease one's burden. It's almost as if saying, uh, you know, honey, you've suffered long enough. Now it's time to get some comfort for your pain. Those are the Hebrew words for repentance. In the New Testament, there's another word, a Greek word, and it's the word metanoia. Um, It means a new mind. The Bible actually says that you and I can have a new one. And I don't know about you, but one of the biggest challenges with my mind isn't so much that it's getting older, though it is, but that it's getting harder, like cement. You, know, you and I, and I think every, everyone who's ever lived, let's be honest, tend over time to think in certain fixed categories. We work from a certain set of assumptions. Uh, About ourselves about our world about how things ought to be in this life but imagine tonight that your mind could be reshaped and remade so that you could actually operate from some new assumptions you know be able to ask a whole new range of questions that hadn't even occurred to you before so That's the gift God gives with repentance. It's the ability to reopen the questions and to start with a fresh new mind. Um, So, in Scripture, repentance is comfort for our pain, a radical turning away from what harms us to what heals us, and repentance is choosing a new way of thinking and being and letting God give us a new mind. Repent, says Jesus. Repent and believe the good news. Believe it, not like you believe in gravity or geometry, but believe it like you believe that hand reaching down to pull you out of a dark and scary sea in the middle of the night. And maybe trust that hand enough to hold you and to pull you up. Friends, in Christ, God's love has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And we can answer that love by repenting of our sins and trusting God's good news and the one who came so far to offer it to us in the first place. Thanks be to God for this gift. Amen.